Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, a Paramount podcast. I'm Mike Casaza here on Wednesday evening, concluding the 2023 football season at West Virginia University. The Mountaineers victorious over North Carolina in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. 30-20 to 20 here to discuss everything with me. Front to back, start to finish. Carolina blue to navy blue. Is Chris Anderson. Chris, could we turn this off after the first play of the game, or was it worth going to the finish here? I don't know. I, I honestly thought after that first play of the game that this offense was not going to be able to be stopped. That was not the case, and they certainly made it interesting. So I don't think at any point that I ever real, really feel like UNC had the horses to kind of make it happen. But uh, West Virginia sure tried to give them as many opportunities as possible. Tell me if you agree here, but these are two teams that are, are pretty good right-handed, and they had to play left-handed tonight and see because of personnel. West Virginia, because I'm not sure, but just could not run the ball in, until late when it started to crack a little bit. But um, both teams lean on a plan B, and West Virginia's plan B was just a little bit better. Actually, 20 points better, I should say, but with some help from special teams. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. I don't know what the issue was with West Virginia's run game, why they couldn't get it. Again, we, we went over on our podcast and all our previews that UNC's defensive line was not great, like kind of mediocre in just about everything and actually pretty bad in run defense, the, the defense as a whole, not just the defensive front. But West Virginia struggled to get much of anything going on the ground, like you said, until, until late in the game. But um, other other areas stepped up. And yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Just for perspective here, allow Mr. 25 first downs to take the stage for a second. 17 first downs today. Chris, that matches the low number of the season. Penn State, Oklahoma. West Virginia loses 38-15 to Penn State, 59-20 to Oklahoma. I got 30 points on the board in this game. A shutout in the second half. Took advantage of the uh, the kind of decimated, maybe even literally decimated with the manpower they lost. Um, UNC offense, defense, I think had a hard time hanging in in the second half for West Virginia. They did start to dent a little bit, but um, I guess we can get to this right now. Um, historically, West Virginia not especially good in bowl games. 
different story here. Two wins for Neil Brown now. Um, I'll get into the bowl history here, but the big picture now, this is two eight-win seasons, which actually now becomes a ninth win. So an eight, a nine, and a ten-win season in the Big 12. One belongs to Neil Brown. And then just the the bowl history here of these teams and and why this is significant, I think, for the programs and maybe why this is such a, a bummer for UNC. But now West Virginia is 17 and 23 in bowls. They had lost four out of five and eight of 11, so add a win there. UNC has really kind of had a backslide at the end of the season the past few years, despite good starts. They're now 15 and 23, four straight losses, 11 out of 14 in bowl games. Mac Brown was once seven and one in bowls. 14 and 12. Whew, not great for him there. Um, punctuation marks for West Virginia. The win. Second largest winning margin in a bowl in program history. Only the 70 to 33 game had a larger spread. 20 points matched a few times. Um, again, not the way they wanted to. They probably want to be more emphatic with their offense, but get to 30 points, have a pretty good defensive showing where we can be pretty sure we're going to see some changes after this game that we can talk about. Um, and again, just for, for players, coaches that put a lot into this that may be back that may not be back that's just the nature of college football now um again not how they wanted to do it but what they wanted to do they certainly got out of there with that today i i am looking at some of these stats like the the first down stats you put out there and the rushing yards for west virginia during their time in the big 12 conference not just under neil brown but big 12 total with 17 you said 17 first downs right Mm mm-hmm Okay, so 17 first downs, 175 or fewer rushing yards, 6 and 23. In the last sense, wait, wait, 6 and 17, 6 and 17, 7, 11, 7, 18, 6 and 18. Okay. In the Big 12. Like, not, not typically a time, uh, you know, a recipe for success for West Virginia football as a whole, much less, you know, with, with Neil Brown and this rushing offense for them to be able to kind of pull this off and, they were able to, so uh, I don't know. It, it, it's a weird one. Like it, it, it was a pretty dominant win. Again, it never yep. felt like UNC really had a chance, but it also felt like West Virginia couldn't really get things off the ground offensively. This is very much a bowl game. Never mind the twenty twenty three nature of it, where you have all the player turnover, opting out. I don't know. You have the portal injuries are obviously an evergreen thing. And then just the excitement of bowl games is one thing, but man, they can be really sloppy sometimes too, because back you know, many, many years ago, you could practice. They had like a specific number of practices, 15. Um, and then, which is funny because as they took away all the regulators and let teams have more and more access to players throughout the calendar, it really kind of shrunk. And you see teams practice like eight or nine times before a bowl game now. And that's split up too. There's not a whole lot of continuity because West Virginia, among many teams, had a break in between periods of their practice for the holiday. So you're not doing a whole lot of hitting. You're not doing a whole lot of special teams. You really have to work on timing and syncing up a lot of your blocking and your snapping and you know anything that you do in conjunction with another level of the offense or defense. And that's got to be sharp. And, and Brown even said that, you know, if you tried to do it like you used to do it before, there'd be a player revolt because players have so much power in so many ways now. And this certainly resembled a bowl game, um, almost like a season opener penalties um just issues with just being a, a step off here a foot off here turnovers miscues um i think that leads to some of the statistical shortcomings for west virginia certainly for north carolina too don't want to take away north carolina's talent they had some players there no doubt about it but um this this just did seem like symptomatic of a bowl game in any year never mind 2023 and 
somehow West Virginia pushed through it a little bit more because they were just better. I mean, they, they made a lot of mistakes, but they didn't, they didn't knock themselves over, even though they certainly tried a few times. All right. So what can we take from this? Like what, what, I mean, obviously with all the caveats of 2023 bowl game, what can we take of it about West Virginia? Maybe now, maybe Neil Brown's tenure. And what can we take about it for the future? Is there, is there anything we can take from this game? So I'm always going to be dubious and like prisoner of the moment things. And I can look at UNC the first half of the year and even the last half of the year. And they, they were just missing players today that would have been good and would have caused West Virginia more problems and the players that were in um, a replacement capacity for UNC. But West Virginia did the job today, and West Virginia was not full strength either. I think they had fuller strength than UNC. So I can't really say corner turned or, or boulder over the top there. I will say this, though. They they go into the offseason with, like, legitimate momentum, and I know everybody said that, but they haven't had that. Even when they won the, the Liberty Bowl that one year, that was just kind of like, oh, geez, this is our quarterback? Five and seven the first year, you weren't feeling that. You know, obviously after the the eighteen to six bowl game last year, you never had this before. And this is like not only different, Chris, it's dramatically different now too. And um I'll get into like a bigger picture thing here, but I don't I don't know why you can't talk about big ideas now. Had they lost, I think you could puncture that. And even if you could put some of the yeah but yeah, but UNC was missing this and this and this and this, fine, I get that. But man, in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, no one's gonna remember that. And when you get to preseason magazine time, you have a nine and fourteen that's probably going to be ranked. We can get into that this conversation too. Um in this this final poll. And it's gonna merit conversation for, you know, upper tier of the new Big Twelve, probably preseason top twenty five. Like I think that's actually on the table right now. Is that too bold? I did not. I think I said, you know, as we were previewing this game, like there's there's like a multi-step plan here where West Virginia could really go into 2024 ranked in the top 25 and with a lot of momentum. And step one was not losing, you know, too many shocking kind of starters, contributors, major contributors for next year. So far, so good. Portal's still open for a couple more days. Uh, January 2nd is when things close, but things look good there we are expecting a couple other guys to leave but again i think these are expectations from the coaching staff as well nobody's shocking to them um second part was winning this bowl game getting to nine wins it, it I, again like you said all the caveats of 2023 bowl all the caveats of unc missing all these players 10 months from now eight months from now everybody's gonna go you remember that nine and four wvu team beat unc in the bowl game when they were like ranked top 10 early in the year pretty good team coming back and the third part is adding in the transfer portal, adding pieces that can really help. And, and so far, so good. I think, you know, a lot of positive feedback on the guys that they added back, uh, you know, not officially. I mean, transfers aren't really signing. They signed their grant and aid, but that's only binding in so much as the school has to supply it to them. They don't actually have to go to the school if they choose to go somewhere else. So still up in the air there. But I, again, don't be concerned. That's everywhere. Um, but Step one, step two, step three, it's kind of all going pretty well right there on that front. Let's speak in a front. Let's get to that. Let's talk about the defense for a second. That's okay with you. We spent a lot of air this year talking about the offense and post-game rap reaction podcasts and preview stuff when we talk about the defense. Um, sometimes it's in worrisome terms about what an opposing offense might do. If you look at who was out there today and what they did, Chris, there's a lot of staying power here. Um, seven sacks, 11 tackles for a loss. 
And a lot of the people that we're going to rattle off here have a chance to be a part of this next year too. I'm not going to rattle off the names, but like you, you can tell by, cause you saw the game, but like uh, Anthony Wilson, he could be back. Um, Jerry Bartley could be back Ed Vesteren and Aubrey Burks. There's a couple that have to figure out here. I'm not going to, you know, air dirty laundry, but there's a couple names we mentioned that they got to figure some things out with what they want to do and where they want to be. Uh, to me with Durajai, Aiden Beiser, Tyron Bradley, Batorma Moba, Jacoby Spells. Like there, there's a core here from front to back that it's not complete. Don't get me wrong, but I think if they want to be stronger, they're going to have to be obviously stout up front. They're, they're going to have the horses to do that. They keep everything together. And I, I don't see a lot of potential for defections here. And additions, I mean, they, they might not have a whole lot left more to do there too. Linebacker, they're making some moves. They're really trying. They've already made some splashes there. I, could, I mean, as you mentioned before, they they could continue that way. Um, and they're going to have to plug some holes, obviously, in the secondary because of just, you know, graduation and uh, players who de- departed and, and just weren't going to be part of this in the future. But there's something there. And I think that's where you can kind of get a little bit more excited. This isn't just like a one-sided thing. I mean, obviously, all the star powers on offense, but there's a chance now because from front to back, defensive line should be pretty good. And if they're going to go to a 4-3 like they talked about, they have the the parts to do that. That means they're going to have to be healthy, a linebacker, and, and that, like healthy with like the, the state of the roster, not just the actual state of the players. But they're working on that. Can they get the secondary? But here's the thing now. You can go into the portal, and it's not just you can point at Beanie Bishop, but you can point at you know, a Malachi Ruffin, too, if you want to get a younger guy. Hey, we can develop you. You can be a starter in the Big 12. You can be an All-American in the Big 12 if you want to transfer here. They actually have the horses to do that because they've done that. They had the capacity to do that because they had the horses that they tried out this year. And also, by the way, hey, this could be a preseason top 25 team. This could be a Big 12 contender team. We got a spot for you if you want it. They haven't had that before either, and they can punctuate that now because they have a postseason win. Defensive front was amazing. I I started writing my notes about who I was going to talk about in stock up, stock down that I post as soon as the game is over. And Edward of Staranen was was right there. You know, that was my guy that I was going to talk about. And then it was like, well, they're making it difficult to only focus on him because it it was everybody, which is even more impressive because two of the three starters were not even part of it. Michael Lockhart obviously chose to transfer, entered the transfer portal and wasn't at the bowl game. Sean Martin went out with an ankle injury. Uh, kind of tried to limp back out there, but missed the majority of the game, uh, or at least the majority of his snaps because of that injury. So they did all that damage against what should have been a pretty good UNC offensive front with, you know, Eddie V and a bunch of guys who had been kind of, you know, the second team guys in the rotation, but still second team. And and that's promising not only for tonight, but the future as well. Seven sacks, Chris. Um, one, two, three, four players had a sack. Three players had half a sack. One player had one and a half sack. This wasn't one guy whipping a tackle or a guard and getting three or four sacks. They had it from all bunch of people. Um, really quickly, don't look here unless you already have. Do you know who led the team in sacks tonight? Uh, I was going to say Edward Vesteranen, but I believe... Now, see, I'm trying to figure out who got the halves and all that stuff, but I know Jalen Thornton's name was mentioned at least twice. And he was Darren's really good. At least twice. He was really so it good. Was, it, was it Thornton? Yeah, it was. And again, he, he, okay. you know, final third of the season, he was really good and kind of just did his part where he's second, third line, but he's coming in and he's pedaled the metal against a worn down, you know, guard or tackle or center, depending on where they put him, because the first guy or the second guy or the first two guys in front of him did the same thing. 
And then when he came back in, the guy that took his spot was fresh and could go at the guy because Thornton's worn him down a little bit more. And he came in with a motor in the second half, especially when they really took off um, you know, four tackles, one solo, one and a half tackles for a loss. That's the sack. Two quarterback hits as well. Um, he was good. In that. And then that's the way they're going to go. Will he be back? We'll see. There's some players who have to kind of figure out what they want to do. And, and maybe this is the, again, maybe this is the punctuation mark for them, but maybe they can actually leap off into something bigger now too. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, going back to Brown, it was middle of November last year where everything kind of like looked sideways and where is this going to go and how is it going to end up? And I wrote this, we talked about this and people did not want to hear it, but West Virginia was kind of big picture. One, they wanted to see it work for Neil Brown. They believed everything he was doing. They liked him as a coach and as a player, give it a chance, give it a chance, you know, and you could go year zero jokes or COVID year or anything all you want. But the takeaway was. They really wanted to give him a chance to do it. And so he came back this year. But it wasn't so much the 2023 season. Um, you're not giving him 2024 based on 2023. You're giving him another year based on what he did in his first five. He's obviously coming back. And, and that was we know that before tonight. Tonight didn't seal anything. But the idea was that if he nails this season, the new Big 12 is going to be easier to win because you don't have the two neat teams that have been in the way for everybody for so long in Texas and Oklahoma. You're adding schools that are new and kind of watered down a little bit. Cincinnati, Houston, uh, UCF are the ones we saw kind of struggle this year. BYU as well. Uh, and then you have the teams that are coming from the Pac-12. This wasn't part of the thinking now, but that's not going to necessarily make everything stronger. There's going to be a period of adjustment too, and maybe they're not all going to be up at the same time. When you're adding eight teams over two years, you're not adding eight top-shelf teams. Naturally, in college football, someone's going to be down. A couple of those teams are going to be down. And what did you hear tonight? that the conversations that the ESPN broadcast crew had when they weren't spitting out takes about mayonnaise, they were talking about how this is a team that now believes it's position to win the big 12 next year. Agree with it. Don't agree with that. That's fine. That's a whole other conversation to say that in a game, you win 30 to 10 on national television. That means you did something right and your gamble paid off. And to me, that's like a big takeaway for, for the athletic department, the university, the football staff is that they, they made this bold bet more than a year ago that it would pay off, in, in 14, 16, 18 months, 
And they're pretty close to that right now, too. And we, we kind of thought about that. But when you're seeing it and you realize you're actually at that finish line, that moment where what they thought might be true, they can actually start to think about that right now. I think that's a powerful moment for them and that, that can really help them pour in resources for, for hiring, replacing, upgrading anybody, anything, because they got to go over the goal line right now. They're right there. They just can't kick a field goal. They got to go over the goal line. You mentioned it there that that some things might be changing here in the offseason. Coaching, uh, you know, going out and getting new assistants. Uh, mentioned Jalen Thornton earlier. There are still some variables here at play. Um, Dante Wright, safeties coach, going to Troy. Um, guys like Jalen Thornton, who walked on senior day, but still has one year of eligibility left. What is he coming back? Uh, we'll see. And and Neil Brown has said, you know, there are a couple guys who are going to play in the bowl game and then enter the portal. So we're, we're going to see who those names are and what those guys are and then figure out what West Virginia has to do from there. So it's not over yet. Like, there's still a little bit of wiggle room here. There's still a few more days you got to brave before the transfer portal closes. And then West Virginia will have a few days to kind of backfill those positions that, that guys might be departing from. But think about this, too. 18-6, to 6, guaranteed rate bowl. They have to make changes, right? And what do they do? They go out and they get Daniels and Harrell and it doesn't work. And that was an uncomfortable shift. It seemed like a great idea. In retrospect, it was not because they're totally different now. Um, they're going to do some things different on defense now, but I think their position is, is much different. You know, position of strength, I don't know, but it's stronger than what they were offensively a couple of years ago. And, you know, yeah, like guys like Bartlett, guys like Thornton, you know, starter level and backup level. Can they Can they keep this whole group together or can they find suitable replacements there? We'll see. And then, you know, Dante Wright, no one's going to, you know, feel uh, no one's going to mistake the void he leaves. He's going to be a defensive coordinator with his friend growing up. I don't think they'll have a hard time finding an assistant coach to fill that spot. Not to say that's a bad reflection on Wright, but I think they can probably go fishing here in deeper waters than they could last year when while Bill All Marshall and Blaine Stewart have been serviceable and beyond this season, that did not excite the base last year you're bringing a guy who was one year coaching division one at the one double a level the fcs and a guy who never coached in college before they've done good they're still learning they should get better i don't think that'll be the storyline this year i think they'll actually get like a bona fide assistant coach and not like a friend of a friend or somebody who's new to the level should be able to spend and should be able to get somebody in that's going to do what they need never mind want to do in the back end of the defense i might let me ask you plain and simple will west virginia university Part this is part one. Will West Virginia University be ranked in the final top twenty-five rankings that come out after all of the bowl games in the playoffs? Yeah, it's a coach's poll, right? So they're gonna get one vote for sure. Because they don't do the AP poll. Am I correct on that? I, I think that was the case. And now I'm looking at it. It looks like maybe they switched it up last year. I don't know. But let's say yeah. coaches poll. And right it now matter. it's 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. So West Virginia had eight votes, which would be 31st, essentially. Um, if you count the others receiving votes section. So ranked, yes? I think so. You know why? Because like I guarantee you a bunch of media watch that goofy Duke's Mayo thing today just for the, the the giggles they have with it, right? And I bet you that they were impressed by what they saw. And like they heard the advertisement for the offense and how many star players are coming back and all the freshmen and this and that. Like that should be good. And like, you know, and this this is a disservice to the player, but you never heard about who they're gonna miss. Like you never heard Zach Frazier's name once. Not once. And who's been more important to what they've been doing the last couple of years than him? Arguably nobody else. But like you don't realize that's a hole 
a big hole that's going to be there. Even with their issues running the ball up the middle or even snapping at times to center today. You never heard Zach Frazier's name. Um, unless when I finally muted the television, it came up. And I don't think it did. But I just think that there's so much momentum that people are going to pay attention to that. And um, everybody who was paying attention to him on the hot seat last year, they didn't they didn't like unplug. They're still tuned in. And they realized that he he won nine games. And you circle back on that stuff. And go, wow, that, that guy did a really good job. It's going to be easy to make them a top 25 team. Will that be enough people to do it? I don't know. But I think a lot of people put the pen to paper for West Virginia. All right. So part one was ranked or not ranked after the Bulls. And now part two ranked or ranked heading into next year, preseason. Well, yeah, if, it's, if it's one, it's the other. <laughs> if it's, right. if yeah, it's yeah. yes, postseason, it's yes, preseason. Now, if it's no postseason, it could be yes, preseason as well. Um, just I, I voted in these things. It's like it's very, very non scientific. It's very objective. Everybody has or subjective. It's a different process. But like if they get the postseason, they'll get the preseason. If they don't get the postseason, they can still get the preseason. But like it's again, these are conversations you never have before. So I mean, good on them. Um, on the game, real quick. Mm-hmm. First play. Yep. Were you shocked? Not that they took a shot. But I mentioned it at the time. I loved the wrinkle in that it was a deep, deep cross because it almost looked like, like it looked like UNC was ready for it. I, I mean, as basically every team should, especially in a bowl game on that first play, guys just they screw it and going for it. But solid read from Green, great blocking from the offensive line that gave him the time to kind of wait for that deep cross to happen. And then you know they kind of just jumbled up all of UNC's defensive backs, kind of ran them into each other, jumbled them up, and raised running free. I thought it was a well-designed play, a well-executed play, and 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 really, um, you know, hit UNC, and they weren't ready for it. Or they were yeah. ready for it, but kind of got caught up. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up all that stuff. I think it's really good to, to for perspective here. But, like, the one thing that, that – it, it was so easy is the one thing I noticed. And like, it, it's not something that, I mean, they've run that play before too, but like, it was just one of those things like, yeah, hey, let's go for it. And I kind of thought maybe they'd, Hey, could they do this? Could they do that? Would they try to establish the run? I don't know. We'll see. But like, what struck me is I'm thinking about it though, was that they were missing some, some corners and safeties, um, like regular guys, starters. And this is a team that plays like, you know, 35, 40% in man. And Gene Chizik's known for being that type of a guy. Um, I thought they might go zone to start just because like, let's see what they have and let's keep eyes on the ball and try to run toward it. If it's going to be a run play. And that was man right away. Right. And Ray, uh, just, yeah, I believe so. Ray just went across the field, got through traffic and it was a perfect throw and perfect catch. And that's a great start. Um, as you were saying, things that they were expecting. I do think the UNC was really well prepared for stuff. They handled the run game. I think missing Frazier is probably an overlooked, but obvious aspect here. Um, I think people forget, like they don't double team the middle with him. Like, they don't, they don't give him help. He handles stuff. And sometimes he handles two guys by himself. And you can use your other guard to go out and help a tackle or get to the second level. And that just wasn't there today. They had to help Brandon Yates. And that's to be understood. Brandon Yates could be a fine player, but he's not he's not Zach Frazier. I'm sorry. I think probably everybody that hearing this would agree with that, too. Um, UNC was ready for a lot of the stuff. And that included, I thought, their first play of the second half. They put Gallagher in motion. And how many times have we seen them run that touch pass or the, the, the jet sweep or something like that? Everybody is flowing bottom of screen to top to screen, right to left if you're on defense. And everybody's going that way, and the middle opens up. That was almost like a trick play to me. Like they were waiting for that and waiting for that. And I don't know if it was an automatic you're going to have green runner, if it was a, a true read for him. It looked like a read, but they certainly smartened green up if it was a read and saying, hey, they're going to chase him all the way outside. They've been waiting on this play. Haven't seen it, haven't seen it. And, and then bang, I think 48 yards in that play. They had 72 yards rushing, no, 62 yards rushing before that. 
they get almost all that on one play. And that that really kind of broke the game open there. White's in the end zone a couple plays later. And then, you know, Country Roads is just around the corner there too. So um felt like they they had a good plan, excited to start, obviously, and then save some things at good times, but just had a hard time moving it because of I don't know what. And again, it'd be interesting to hear Brown when he has to say after the game about what they're missing, who they're missing, but also like what wasn't working and, and what could have worked better because you know, to get bailed out by your defense and your special teams, Chris, that's not the story of the season, is it? No, absolutely not. I think that and, you know, again, we we talked about throughout the year that, hey, they haven't stepped on the rake, as you, as you like to put it. Uh, they hadn't done that much. But when they did, that, those were the games they ended up losing. And then, and then at the beginning of this game, it that had, again, had that feeling, a, a swing of about 100 yards. I had uh, done the math. I think it was 96 or something like that, mm-hmm. where the penalty yards they had taken uh, plus the yards that were negated, you know, that they had gained on those plays that were brought back. And they were just kind of kicking themselves and making silly mistakes. And, you know, but again, they were good enough to kind of overcome that. And that's what good teams do. Yeah. Uh, nine penalties, 70 yards, some penalties agreeable, some not. Um, some, a, a great day for the line judge who apparently can't see. Uh, West Virginia wins a turnover battle three to one. However, just three points off the three turnovers gained. That's probably not what they want to do there. But the defense, again, seven sacks, 11 tackles for a loss. Um, that's good enough to get over some stuff. And again, four touchdowns, excuse me, four possessions, two touchdowns, two field goals in the red zone. Did I that right? I think so. Um, yeah, just just kind of did enough. Whereas efficient in, in the right areas, like 100. percent That's great in the red zone. 50 percent touchdown, not great, but good enough. And then again, to be down almost 10 minutes of time possession and still win the game pretty comfortably, that's that's not a bad day here. Final question before we go here, Chris, for you if you don't mind, what or who um, do you underline as a person or a thing that because of this game you feel better about? And conversely, because this game you are concerned about, not not a new thing necessarily. Maybe it's a new player. Maybe it's a development that you think they're going to lean on that didn't, you know, acquit itself perfectly today. Anything jump out that has your attention positively and negatively? And that is a great question because there was one that I put in my stock up, stock down that I was holding steady on that I, I was ready to kind of watch closely and get some answers on. I'll get to that in a second, but I'll say the thing I feel better about is, um, the defensive line. And I already felt pretty good about it, but seeing some of those guys, like, again, it's one thing you still don't know if Jalen Thornton's going to come back. Okay. So you don't know about that. Eddie V you kind of already seen him have these moments, these flashes, but he kind of took it up a notch and said, I'm, I'm the guy. I, I am the best player on this defensive line today. And he played like it. Uh, Tommy, or as the Mayo announcers called him, Tommy uh, had a nice couple of plays in there. Uh, Asani Redwood, the guy that we heard a lot about. He was one of those guys that, as you like to say, the coaches brought up, the coaches talked about, and we just hadn't really seen him do much on the field. And he was out there. I mean, that sack that he had, <laughs> I blinked, and he had his arms around the quarterback. Like He won that one-on-one battle with that offensive lineman so fast, couldn't even finish my blink before he was sacking the quarterback. So. Feeling better about the defensive line, which was a spot I already felt pretty good about. Can I buy stock in Tyron Bradley? Yeah. That, Not because, that, that was definitely his best game, right? 
Oh, yeah, and the one-hand interception is great, but he was all over the field playing big. And, like, they're going to need him next year because if they're going to do something different in this 4-3, that guy's going to be a big part of what they do because he's going to be a bigger guy on the line. I don't know what else they'll do with that position. Like, they're, they've obviously recruited toward that spot or what we think will be that spot. Can they do it? I don't know. But, like, they're going to have to have somebody from that, whether it's called Bandit or something else, do that. And I, I think people don't – I think you saw it today, obviously, but people don't realize how athletic and how big he is, too. Like, that's a high school option quarterback in a pretty good part of Texas. Um, playing linebacker now, first year at the FC, FBS level, and got better and better. And just Bartlett was in front of him. And Bartlett was, I don't know what adjective you would use for him, but like reliable. Like he was always pretty steady out there. And again, will he be back? We'll see. There's there's some things that, again, a number of players had to figure out there too. Um, offensively, I kind of wish that DJ Oliver had gotten more run. That game was still in the the could they win, could they lose phase. And when you make that type of play, when you're running, you're not even looking and you get hit from that side and you fumble, that's bad. I love that he still ran his tail off on special teams and made a tackle on a kickoff after White's touchdown in the fourth quarter, too. So that that shows me something about him. I think, you know, we, we always hear Brown put a ton of emphasis on special teams, but that's one of those plays that's going to speak to coaches in whatever doghouse that Oliver might have been in. I mean, Jalen Anderson got in the field and played today before Oliver got back in. Uh, I think that gets him out of there, too. But I do wonder about the running game. It's just going to look different with Frazier gone, with uh, Nestor gone. Everybody else should be back. But C.J. Donaldson coming back from an injury, probably won't see him in the spring, I would guess. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm projecting there. But, you know, do you get him and White back? How do you fit in Oliver? Is Anderson back? Don't know. And you also have uh, you know, the two recruits, Dunbar and Hubbard, that they brought in. That I'm, I'm not sure either one of them plays, but maybe they're good enough to play. So I'm, I'm just curious what the running game will do. I'm not, I'm not selling the stock in their running game because of what happened today. I think there's some natural curiosity what's going to happen just because of the changes you're bound to have in the offseason in West Virginia. We'll have a we'll have a couple and could have a few more. Who knows there too. Uh, final thoughts here, Chris. Before we wrap it up for the final time this season. Solid season, impressive season. Uh, great job. It, it, a lot of what I took away as positives from this year. Of course, like winning, it's good. It's good. But the big thing is they made changes. Like the things that were the problem the year before, they fixed them. The things that you know that drove a lot of the things that drove fans crazy and the things that we would discuss on these podcasts, like the stepping on the rake, the misuse of timeouts, the miss the blunders uh, of time, uh, clock management leading into halftime. And in the second half, it all kind of went away and then they started winning. Um, it's kind of crazy how that works, but that's, that's good. Uh, people, a lot of people listen to this, they get upset, but that's good coaching. When you recognize the mistakes and you fix them, that's good coaching. And I think a lot of the reason that West Virginia made that jump from kind of this middling 500 or slightly worse team to a 9-4 and four team with some top 25 potential is because they saw the problems, they adjusted, fixed it, and they're moving forward. That's a great point. I will I will just echo you here. I don't want to add anything else, but like what do they do now? Because they've made the wrong changes. Prior to that, they haven't changed. They made the changes, they're certainly rewarded for it. This is not a finished product. That that boulder is not over the top of the mountain and rolling downhill right now, but it's not far. And if you got everybody pushing the same direction right now, and if you get one or two more shoves from strong additions, that can really help you out. So what do they change? What weaknesses, vulnerabilities, soft spots do they identify? And can they go out and fix? And again, that's that's roster, that's staffing, that's budget, that's spending. I mean, all that stuff there too. What do they go out and do? 
Um, that's a question they will ask, and they probably earned the answer on. It is not Sunday. We are still going to wrap up the season as we do every every week we have a game here. Man, snap counts is going to be weird, Chris. They travel with everybody. So the dress roster is like two pages and like like the full – I bet you it's the full team that you're allowed to bring. Um, and then like Zach Frazier in the dress roster, he can't play. Uh, guys like that, we'll, we'll see what they actually did there. But the, certainly some 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 interesting playing time decisions there too for who got in, who played how much in that young group. And you know the redshirt candidates and the freshmen, people like that. Um, and how will you be chasing this one? Is it with a shot of mayo? No, absolutely not. But uh, I will be doing the report card, doing some usual follow-ups with some recruiting stuff. And again, for those who are thinking, hey, it's that that dead time between Christmas and New Year's. No, 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 no. Transfer portal wide open until January 2nd. So the next handful of days from now, we're recording this at 930 on December 27th until January 2nd. Transfer portal is open. Guys will be leaving. Confirmed. 100%. There will be at least one West Virginia player no longer on the roster. I'm not talking about anybody specific, but we know it's happening, so be prepared for some news. Following that, immediately, January 3rd through January 7th, that is the window where West Virginia and all schools can host transfers, and transfers only, not high schoolers, transfers for official visits. West Virginia already has one set with the defensive linemen that our VIP members know about. There's going to be more, not that many more. And I explained why in a recent VIP buzz, but visitors that week. So the next 10 days, 12 days, really important for West Virginia's roster for 2024. Really important. And by the way, just a a brutal stretch for basketball too. Just brutal. They haven't played anybody as good as Ohio State in the Kim Palmer, the, the net Chris. They play Ohio State, and then four of their next game, five games after that are against teams that are above Ohio State in the Ken Palm. <laughs> like well, this is it's it's a it's a root canal coming up here too, so it's a head above water kind of thing. We'll see. Well, Chris, I enjoyed this. I don't know about you, but uh, thirteen of these. Actually, I did thirteen. You did twelve. Yep, took one off. Yeah, I think you'll probably get one back for me in the future. We'll see. <laughs> a pleasure as always. Until next time, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then.